Hey, 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 I'm talking to you from Santa Barbara this time. I'm doing the introductions. Brett is in L.A. He's been working hard. So I'm doing the introductions. Welcome to this week's podcast with Advantage Connors. I'm Jimmy, and I'm with Brett. He's down in L.A. I'm doing the introductions. Welcome, Bretter. How are you doing? What's going on? How are you today? I'm doing good down how, here in Los how Angeles. You like that? You don't hear that very long, do you? <laughs> I like it. I like you. Uh, <laughs> I like hearing your voice. I like you bringing yeah, us yeah. bringing us into the show and welcome welcome in everybody. It's good to be with you again. And uh, geez, we we've got some good action. We've got Djokovic in Paris. We've got Swiatek uh, winning the year in for the ladies. Wow, we we we've had a good week. So where do you want to start? You tell me. Uh, we're I'm, I'm working a tennis channel. We're doing the two uh, fifties. There's a there's a couple two fifties in Billie Jean King Cup this week for T two producing that, which is fun. But like you said, last week was a really good uh, week of tennis. You tell me. You want to start with Iga since it's the year end. It's kind of the the culmination of their year. Maybe we start off there and uh, down in Cancun. Yeah, I think that's a good start because we talked a little bit about that last week. There is some little bit of controversy with with the surroundings, the court, and so forth like that. So obviously. You know, they either straightened it out or it didn't bother Ega much at all for her to come through and win. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was working the event. I did tape producing last week and it was brutal. I was on the the later shift. And what happens at Tennis Channel is usually when there's tournaments like that, Paris is in the morning. So people come in, you know, three or four in the morning to get us started. And uh, they do the, you know, the first six, seven hours on air. And then the second crew comes in and and takes over and does the rest of the day. And it was a bummer to be on the late crew. I mean, it was fun. I, everybody was uh, was good peoples, but it was brutal. There was a couple days in a row where there must have been one match had like something like eight or nine stoppages for wind and rain and weather and conditions. They would stop oh, them. And, you know, it would do that thing at, like in Florida where you get, you know, the late afternoon, early evening, you know, a little storm that comes through and it's not heavy. It's not a lot of clouds, but, you know, like the, all the humidity gets absorbed up into the clouds and then comes through and just kind of dumps. And since it's hardcore, all it has to do is right. get the surface, you know, a little bit wet and they have to pull them off and they cost you 45 minutes. They get the blowers out there and the towels and all the squeegees. So it was tough, you know, having to come through all the stuff that you know, we talked about last week with the court conditions. And you can tell that they didn't, they didn't put a lot of thought into the, the court setup. Someone told me that it was supposed to be an indoor tournament, but that they found out that I think that it wasn't, the roof wasn't high enough. So that, like, I think if you went back and, and oh, oh my God. <laughs> tried to throw up a lot than just ground, uh, than ground problems, right? Uh, you know, was, you know, indoors and, you know, the court and the humidity and, you know, with all that breath, that changes the surroundings and the way the ball travels through the air and everything. I mean, it, it's a, a total different way you play your matches. So that's not for them to go through that. No. And it's weird that it's the last, you know, tournament of the year. It's the biggest tournament, kind of the culmination. But, uh, you know, all that being said, there was a tournament that did end up getting played. And the people who were in the final kind of deserved to be there. Pagula went 4-0. She went 3-0 in the round robin. And if you remember last year, Pagula and Golf, remember they went winless. They each went 0-3 in their singles right. and then and went 0-3 as a team in the doubles. Things a little bit different this year. Pagula going 3-0. Coco also qualifying. She went two and one qualified for the uh, the semifinals. Pagula beat her in a weird match where the conditions and the wind was just like crazy. You know, you could almost tell that it was like, you know, that's like they're just trying to make contact out there, let alone trying, you know, do strategy and, and hit winners right. and oh stuff. My. And then uh, Iga too, right. also, she came through. You know, Sabi was number one. 
in the world coming into the event. And they ended up playing in the semi. They both qualified after the round robin. And uh, Iga played Sabby. And, you know, we're fans of Sabby here. And, and uh, they, she had a chance. If Sabby would have beat Iga in that match, she would have stayed number one for the end of the year. But you got to give it to Iga. She beats Sabby and then goes on to beat Pagula, love and one, or one and love, I think, in the finals, you know, to capture Whoa. the title and to capture the year-end number one record. You, you know, it's it's interesting, Brett, that uh, you know you talk about the conditions and things, and and the conditions that you can you know talk about really any sport. You can talk about golf. You can talk about football. The way the ball travels through the air, but when you talk about tennis and the conditions and the wind and so forth, it really goes to show just the meaning of what it takes to move your feet and to get into position and be ready to strike the ball because, you know, the wind plays havoc, you know, with uh, coming through the air. So, you know, being prepared and ready for whatever happens is so important. You know, I keep going back to the basics that I was taught with your grandma and, and with Poncho that when it's windy, make sure you you're move your feet, you get your racket back and you're you're able to time the ball you know so that you can you know almost hit the ball through the wind right you know and to make good solid contact and so for Swantec to come through and to win in in those conditions it's easy to play when everything's going your way right and i i know i say that a lot but you know when when there's no wind and the conditions are great and everything you, you know it's it's easy to play but when you can uh, harness your game when conditions are bad and it's windy and and you know you're on and off the court and it's rainy and, and the conditions become heavy and and so forth like that you you figure out a way to win mm -hmm. that's you know to me that's one thing that i was taught from the very beginning is you know and i say this a lot and and i'm sorry to repeat but it's easy to win when you're 110 percent Right. Well, but when 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 things are tough and you're only 70, 80 percent and you still figure out a way to get through it, whether it's the conditions or you're tired or your game's not in order or whatever, that's when your championship status comes through. And it's fun to see her do that because, you know, we talk about her all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. You know how good she is for the game and 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 what she's done and 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 how she stayed on top and not only you know the 1000s and the 500s the tournament levels but also the grand slams you know so you know for her to come through and to do that i'm happy for yep. good good for the game definitely i mean i'm happy i'm happy that savvy was able to get to number 1 and then you know ega earned it you know she lost number yeah, 1 and she exactly you you said it you said it. She earned it. Yeah, exactly. And she yeah, seems to be point. She great seems point. to be good at that, like bouncing back. Like when she loses in a match or a tournament to somebody, maybe you don't think she should have. She usually comes back and, and regroups and, and comes back better than ever. She did that here. And what you said tactically, I, I kind of thought this early in the week. We were talking about it in the control room that, you know, with the conditions like that, you know, so many players have these different grips where they're super Western grips where they're so far around there. Where like if if the wind is whipping the ball around or something like that, it's it's harder to time. So it seemed like Pagula, who's kind of hits the ball flat and hard, a little more old school. She tries to take the ball early. You know, she's good at net because she she plays you know a lot of doubles. She's you know pretty solid at net. And it just seems like is that a good tactic for wind conditions are really windy and like whipping around and, and unpredictable to just try and you know simplify it and just hit it flat and hard through the court. You, you I think you study tennis, <laughs> and I. 
And I say that with such pride, Brad, because, you know, your knowledge of the game and the view of seeing a lot of that, you know, that's old school stuff. And when the wind conditions are like that, you know, to let the ball come to you. And this is the way I was always taught to take the ball early and not let the uh, not let the ball you know, do its dancing or drop, you know, through the wind or, or the top spin or whatever. And if, and if you hit the ball, step in and hit the ball flat, you can go through the wind. You can penetrate that wind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, she's been a fan of our podcast for a long time, Pagula. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about her and, 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 uh, you know, root for her and, and want to see her success. And, you know, she should, I, I, like it when she stays with her game and you know sometimes win lose or draw you know that's what your grandma and your great grandma used to say to me w l o d i p m g you know what that stands for tell me when lose or draw i play my game <laughs> and i had that you i don't know if you remember those little machines that used to you know, click, 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 then put that on there. I had that on my rackets mm-hmm. that no matter what, I was going to play my game. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah. I, and if I did that, I walked off there and I was satisfied and felt good about <laughs> what, what, you know, whatever happened. Yeah. But I also knew that if I played my game, that was good enough. Right. Uh, you know, so, but I like her style, Brett. Mm-hmm. I like that she had a good year. Like, you know, like she could have gotten upset with the, the way the yes. last year ended and she came back and had a better year almost this year. And I like her. It seems like the WTA is in a really good place. You know, like the, the final eight made it and pretty much at least six of those players, you could see kind of shuffling back and forth, uh, you know, from the, in the top five or six rankings. You got Iga, you know, you got Sabi, you got Pagula and Golf, you know, you got Rybakina, you got Vondrasova, you know, like Jabor. It's like mm-hmm. all those players are pretty good and all you can think, you know, any of them can win a tournament any week that they're in the draw. So it seems like the WTA is in, in a really healthy spot, you know, player wise. And from a fan standpoint, as far as putting the tournament on and all that stuff, I don't know. But, you know, as a fan, it's going to be fun going into 24. So who, who uh, are you in production for Tennis Channel and you watch an awful lot of tennis? Who Who is your number one in the in the women's division? Who, who do you think is the best? Yeah. <sighs> uh, it's tough because it, I feel like right now it's it's Iga. But like with golf coming on and you see her improvement and then you see Sabi having taken this next step and then, you know, Rabakina is, is right there. She can kind of turn it on. She had a great first half of the season and, and kind of, you know, not so much the second half, but, you know, she's got the talent and, and the stuff. I just think it's Iga right now, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Sabi goes and defends her title at the AO or, or you know, who knows what Pagula's going to do. Pagula's still waiting for a breakthrough. We're still kind of waiting for her to make her first Grand Slam semifinals. So the last thing she hasn't done, you know, she's, you know, you know, right. one, one, 1,000 levels. She's, you know, uh, you know, made it to the ATP or WTA finals. You know, now we just need her to make a semi or a final at a slam and, and then even break through. And then, you know, she's in that conversation too. But I think right now it's hard to argue mm-hmm. against Iga the way she played uh, going five and zero at the finals. Not so bad. Not bad. That, it's a uh, it's a pretty good end to the season, right? Yep. Uh, now, now if she takes a little time off and recuperates and catches up on her rest and works on her game a little bit, tries to continue 
with what she's good at and, and, and work on a few things that, you know, maybe she's not so good at, mm-hmm. you know, and then she comes into to the Australian Open and, oh, boy, it's going to be tough to beat her. But, you know, I like watching a group of, you know, eight or ten that are all in there, you know, from golf to Iga to Sabalenka to, you know, to all of them that, mm-hmm. that all have a chance to to come out and win. That to me, what that's what draws me to it. And, uh, you know, the women's have sure done that. Yep. So, but uh, we, we go to the women's, to the men's, Djokovic again. <laughs> 97, 97 now. He's creeping on you. You got you got 109, still got a little bit of pad there. You got 12 tournament lead, but he's slowly creeping on you. Went in Paris last week, getting him 97. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, you, you know what? I've had a good run, bud. <laughs> I, I, I had a good run. I've had, uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is, a number... You know where where 109 uh, has stood, and uh, you know if somebody's going to come up and beat that, goddamn, good luck to them. <laughs> you know, and yeah. but uh, you know sometimes being uh, you know in the finals ain't a bad thing. Yeah. You know if if I finish I finished a long time ago, you know 35 years ago, with 109, you know, and it stood a long time. And if somebody passes me, you better be pretty freaking good. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and if that happens on you go, and, yep. but my, my thing is, is I'm one Oh nine has taken 40 years to be one Oh nine. Right. You know, he's so not there he yet. Passes, how long is it going to be to pass him? <laughs> right. That's right? crazy. It yeah. might be, you know, it might be a hundred years, Yeah, <laughs> you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Because right now, and, and I hate to say it like this because there ain't nobody stepping up and winning, you know, six, eight tournaments, eight, 10 tournaments a year. Nobody's doing that. Right. Not just, even Alcaraz. Yeah, just him, him and Alcaraz are getting five or six, I think. Yeah, but to reach that number, bud, right. you've got to, you know, reach out and, and start winning eight, nine tournaments, seven, eight tournaments every year. Yeah. You know, maybe when Djokovic does it and he's gone, maybe it is Alcaraz who starts doing that and, and steps up and, you know, and, and blows by him, who knows, but, you know, to break that, that amount of tournaments, you've got to have one year somewhere along the line where you win 12, 15 tournaments or 10, 12 tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, to really catapult yourself. Think about it. You'd have to do 22 years winning five a year. You know, 20 times five is 100. You got you have to get to 110, let's say, to tie. Let's say Djokovic finishes at 110 or whatever. That's 22 years of five a year. That's a long career. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long career is right. You know, then you're right. So you have to jump up and win. That means staying healthy. That means winning. That means, you know, not getting defaulted, not getting COVID shots. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's so much crap that enters into, you know, all this of, about, you know, going through and winning. Yeah. You know, so, and, and you know, I, I'm a Joker fan. Yeah. You know, I am because I like the way he plays. He takes the ball early. He's kind of an old schooler, you know, the way he plays and gets in there and, and tries to be aggressive on the returns and, you know, move forward and so forth. I mean, I, I, I like that because he's an old schooler and, you know, for him, you know, go for it. Yeah. You know, go for it. If you play another two, three years or whatever and, and bypass me, you know, do I like the record? Yeah. But you know what the fuck? I mean, you know, records are made to be broken. Right. Yeah. You, you, you know, and, and if somebody comes up and does it, go for it, you know, good on you. Yep. 
I mean, it's it's not like it's a given. He's still got to win 13 more. And, and you know, he's never been shy about talking about it. he wants every record. And, you know, he, he, he uses that as a goal, which is like, you know, that's a good thing. You know, you want to try and break records. And he had a good week in yeah. Paris. You know, he won three straight three-setters. He beat uh, Greek Spore, and then he beat Runa in a good three-setter, who he lost to last year in, in the finals of Paris. And then he beat Rublev, where it looked like Rublev might have had him on the ropes, and and uh, he was able to come through seven five in the third. And then he beat Dimitrov, who had Dimitrov's had a pretty good year. Like he's for being a little, you know, in his early mid thirties now, yeah. and part of that, you know, everyone calls forgotten generation. He's had you know quietly one of the best years of his career. So that that was fun to watch him too. Yeah, I like his game, and and uh, but but I always thought that he should have been a little better, one more than he has. Yeah. You know, and and created more excitement along uh, along the game than he has, and, and uh, maybe now you know sometimes it takes guys a little longer to catch on. You yeah. know, the thirties he's still got you know five six whatever amount of years if he's willing to put in the time, and uh, I like him. He's you know he's he's got a good game. He's big. He's strong, and and able to to compete with the best. So you know maybe the next four or five years is his time. Yeah, you know. So hope he jumps into it and takes advantage of it. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he came up, you know, behind that that generation where Ed Fed and everybody, you know, gobbling up all the, the tournaments. And, uh, you know, he was dubbed Baby Federer. Remember that? He, everyone called him Baby Fed because his yeah. one-handed backhand kind of similar, a little bit similar to Fed. Not not exactly that much. But, yeah, I mean, he's fun. He's, he seems like a nice guy. Almost everybody on tour likes him. Uh, you know, he's got a good personality. And I saw this. He's, dude, he must be a nice guy, right? Here's two things about him that I know. This week, there's been this little back and forth with like him and um, Venus Williams on social media, right? Like she's like p- commenting, you're doing great, but you're, I'm your number one fan, kind of this stuff. And then, and then she says like something like more, even more than Serena. And Gregor and Serena used to date. And then Serena chimed in like, oh, da, da, you know, I, lo- I love you too, or so, you know, whatever it was, you know, showing that they're still friends, right? So Gregor also dated Maria Sharapova. Okay, like back in the day, right? He's a little bit of a player, likes likes to play the tour, likes to have some fun. They broke up, obviously, not together anymore. In Maria's book, this was the quote she said about Dimitrov. Her ex, keep this in mind, a lot of people out there aren't quite as friendly with their exes as Mr. Dimitrov is. The quote was, Grigor can do amazing things with his body, unquote. (laughs) I think she's talking about on the tennis court, but you know. (laughs) <laughs> I just think uh, well, sometimes uh, being a contortionist ain't so bad. <laughs> Who no, said that? No. Wait a minute. Where did that come from? Uh, I, I, I don't know. That's Listen, I, you know, all I got to say, I'm sticking with the tennis. Okay. Sticking with what they do on the court. There isn't an I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do all of it. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you match candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed Data US. I love how easy Indeed's hiring platform is to use. It's functionable, it's easy, everything is all in one place. I don't have a lot of time, so I love the fact that I can get it all done on one site, Indeed. 
Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. We get you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join the over 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com Connors. This offer is only good for a limited time, guys. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com Connors. Just go to Indeed.com Connors and support the show. Advantage Connors by saying you heard it here on our podcast. It really helps us a lot. Indeed.com Connors. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire? Then you need Indeed. All right, let's get back to the show. Does Joker break the record? When do you th- if he breaks it, when do you think he does it? Two years? Two and a half years? Three years? You better talk to me when he gets a little closer. Okay. We'll wait till we'll let him get triple digits, and then we'll start talking a little more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can join yeah, my, you. My, my, my you can join you, Fed. Yes. What is it, Martina and Chrissy, or something like that, or in in the hundred club? All right, enough tennis. Let's see. What any anything else you want to yes. talk about before we get exactly. into some questions? <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with what's going on with your favorite team in the football. I, I want to oh. know about those Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins. Don't, oh no, Dolphins. That's a bad sign. Dolphins are who we thought they were. Essentially, they are really fun to watch if they play a team that's not so good. We're, we're averaging something like 39, 40 points a game in uh, against teams with a losing record, wow. which and we're six and zero, oh, I think, and we're zero and three now, scoring seventeen points a game uh, when we play hmm. good teams. We've lost two out of three now. We lost to the Eagles, of course. It was in Philly. And then we lost close seven-point game in Germany to uh, the Chiefs last week with Tyreek Hill going against his former team. Didn't exactly. They kind of shut down Hill. They shut down Tua. wasn't wasn't very fun to watch. But um, yeah, it's it's tough because it kind of the people are starting to dub us the uh, Cowboys of the AFC. You know, the Cowboys seem to beat up on the teams that are shitty, and then they always lose. They get to the playoffs maybe, and then they don't win a game. And it seems like we're a little bit like that. We're like we have we're fun to watch. Mm. We're flashy. We got a lot of good offensive players. But, you know, we're not able to kind of step up and, and compete when we go against good teams. Did you watch any of it? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I switch around. I watch a little bit of it. You know, I go and I play golf on Sunday. So I'm on the course. But when I come off, I, you know, I see some of the games and, and you know, the results and so forth like that. But all I'm saying is, you know, listen, you, you've been 42 years. Right. Don't give up now. No. No, not, <laughs> you know, one day I'm not giving you're, you're going to wake up and they're going to be in the Super Bowl and it's going to be an amazing day. Right, so, right. you know, your your loyalty and it has all been good since the Dan Marino days. And, you know, oh, my God, do you wish he was back? I know. I know. I wish you. I mean, two has been good. I just uh, we, we have a decent schedule. Like, I feel like, well, we have six wins now. We'll get to 10, 11 wins. We have a tough last three games, but we play a couple teams that aren't aren't exactly playing that great. So, you know, I think we'll make the playoffs. It's just, you know, are we going to be able to step up and maybe like win a game or, or two and try and make a little bit of run once we get there? We got the bye this week, so we'll be resting up. That's good to know. How about we dip into some questions from your Facebook? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yep. I'm Here's ready. what I got. This is a quick one. You don't have to, we've kind of answered this before, but I wanted to ask you to talk about it again just really quick because at Tennis Channel, we are launching 
a pickleball channel. So Brett Woodmancy asked, what are your thoughts on the exploding popularity of pickleball, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it, you know, a lot. You know, we've talked about it here. But I mean, it's gotten so big now to where, you know, just after a year or two, we're launching a channel, the PBTV, Pickleball Television. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Pickleball has... Uh, you know, has really, you know, taken the country by storm. I mean, a lot of the, you know, the public courts and, and uh, you know, even around the country clubs have turned a lot of their tennis courts into pickleball courts. So, you know, pickleball is really, you know, on the rise. For me, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been beat up a little bit too much and, you know, is still enjoy hitting the tennis ball way too much for me to go to pickleball. But I, I know a lot of the guys, you know, in, in this uh, last generation have – Flip from tennis over to pickleball, and, and as we as we have talked about before, Brett, pickleball as compared to tennis, it's a lot easier to get better at that quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's an opportunity for for people who were playing tennis and were kind of stuck in a rut, and, and you know, to go and to get into pickleball and get better. And and is you know, it, you know, I I, I play tennis uh, in the mornings and. You know, they're playing pickleball and, you know, the noise and the excitement and the camaraderie and, you know, and, and everything that goes on in the pickleball court, you know, it's, it must be exciting for them. Oh, yeah. And and it's a good way to meet people and, and uh, you know, to try to get better at something and get your exercise. Right. I, on the other hand, I have uh, reinvented myself in tennis. Yeah. You know, the, the last number of months and where I can play, you know, four days a week or five days a week for 45 minutes for an hour and get my exercise and and do that. And, you know, that's what I do best. Do you think you would have uh, gotten into it if you would have started playing it like 20 years ago, like tried it out if it become bigger 20 years ago? Do you think you would have like maybe given it a try? Like, do you think it's good? Yeah, for- that's a good that's a good point because I was beat up 20 years ago, but you know that. Yeah. And that for me, you know, the last 20 years have been, you know, kind of trying to get back a little bit healthy and to be able to not be in the kind of pain that I was in and and to, you know, try to, you know, rejuvenate myself to where I could go back and play tennis, which is what I know best, Mm. you know, and and I know how to move and, and, and I know how to, you know, maneuver around the court. So, you know, even at this point, in my life that I won't hurt myself. Right. Uh, so, you know, pickleball, you know, might've been different, you know, I might've been, you know, trying to dive a little bit more or go after a ball, you know, and, and whoa, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I, I don't need that pain anymore. And, and by the way, last week, when I told you that I was going through a tough time, I went through my tough time, but, but as you said, you know, I pushed myself a little bit too much. So I cooled it for a couple of days and I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm feeling good, and, and nice. uh, you know, for, I'm back. You're How back, you like baby. that? I, you know, <laughs> I'm back. So, but I'm feeling better, and and you're right. Sometimes you got to know when to pull in those reins a little bit, and not push yourself so much, and 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 realize that hey, you know, I was able to do it at a time when I could really do it, mm-hmm. and I love doing it then, but now I can't. You know, so I don't need to kill myself now. No. You know, I, I need to go out and, and have fun hitting a few balls back and forth and, you know, moving a little bit, getting a good sweat and and feeling the racket in my hand and the ball coming off the racket, you know, going back two feet from the baseline and, you know, saying, hey, I remember when I used to do that. You know, I used to do that pretty damn good. Yep. You know, so, but, you know, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, you were right, you know, quit pushing yourself so hard. 
day after day after day. It's okay to pull in those reins once in a while and, and recuperate. And then when you go back, you enjoy it even more. And that's where I am now. It's fun. So much fun. Nice. I like it. All right. I'm going to move on to another question. This one I'm asking because of what's going on in Vegas this week. So we talked about it a little. Mm. I don't know if it was last week, a couple weeks ago, about the uh, F1 race. I saw, oh, yeah. I saw a tweet before we came on air showing the prices of the tickets for, I think it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a month ago compared to what they are now. And like they're cut in half, like they're 50, 60% yeah. less. So it doesn't seem, I think a lot of people in Vegas are pretty frustrated with a lot of the changes they've been willing to make and how inconvenient it's made the locals' lives, you know, while they get ready for this event. You know, it's a 90 minute event, by the way. <laughs> and they've like totally upended <laughs> the whole city. Right. Frank Kudla asks, do you remember Alan King's Las Vegas tournaments? And I just, I asked you because you know, what is probably the complete opposite where like people couldn't wait to get a ticket and the buzz was like so great and everyone was looking forward to it. And I just wanted to talk to me a little bit about those. Well, I, I know a lot of my friends here that, uh, that I play golf with have been invited to come now to the F1 race in Las Vegas at uh, very, very, very reduced prices, <laughs> you know, and, and, so, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, before, you know, the prices were, you know, pretty, pretty much astronomical. And, you know, I, I just wanted through is, is kind of hitting them in the, you know, in, in, the, in, in the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. Give some good deals for rooms and, you know, uh, you know, opportunities for people to come and, and be a part of it. So I do know that. But, you know, going to the Alan King Classic, uh, which was at Caesars Palace, back in the 70s and, and the 80s, probably the absolute best tournament of the year. Absolutely. And I'm going to say that because Caesars Palace, and you know, it's a gambling house, and, and you know, what Caesars Palace always stood for, it was, a, it was an amazing place. But they took care of the players from day one, you know, come and, and be a part of it and stay at our hotel and, you know, we'll make things right for you and everything's comped. And, you know, the only thing we're asking you to do is go play good tennis and, you know, do a pro-am or a clinic or a pro-celebrity, play a pro-celebrity match. But it was the absolute most amazing week of the year. And it's the only time, Brett, it was a uh, 32-man draw, and it's the only time when the top 32 players said, I'm playing. Yeah. That, that's how fun. It was fun. It was exciting. The tennis was great. It was Hollywood. It was, you know, the old guys, Gonzalez and Segura, and, you know, a lot of the old guys playing matches with, the you know, me and Borg or Stockton or Gottfried or, you know, the modern-day greats also – I mean, it was the most amazing week. Plus, being a Caesars, I mean, you know how they would take care of everybody because the tournament drew amazing opportunities for the hotel. The whales would come in right. and and not, not only want to be a part of the tennis, but the gamble and, you know, the food, everything was outstanding, me, you know. So let me you ask know, you. For, for me to have been a part of that back in the day was amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it. Anytime it comes up or you see old, you know, stories or video of it, it, it looks like it was a blast. Let me ask you this question. What percentage of your paycheck would you actually get out of Vegas? <laughs> Don't ask me that. Oh my God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you one story because I'm going to do it. Being, 
because your grandma never forgave me for it because, uh, you know, she, you know, she handled a lot of my business, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. So one time I'm um, playing the Alan King classic and I'm walking through the casino and I'm going up to my room and I have to play the next day. And I ran into a friend of mine at the crap table. You know, that's trouble right away because I, I was always a craps guy. I love playing craps and cannot mention any names, <laughs> no <Okay>. names. <laughs> so, so I, I stop and I'm talking to him and he's playing craps. He says, come on. I said, I, I said, okay. I said, so I, I pulled out, I had, a, I had a few bucks in my pocket and, and I kind of throw it down and I get on there and we start talking and we start having fun. And there's a couple rolls and a couple bad rolls. And uh, I, I run out of money and I said, I'm going to bed. I got to play tomorrow. He said, no, no, no. Come on, you know, take out a marker. And I never <laughs> took markers. Never. That was one of my golden rules. Don't do it. Well, to make a long story short, by the time I ended up taking all my markers, I said, I'm signing out Yeah. and I'm going to bed. I didn't realize what it was. And I had to win the tournament to pay my markers. <laughs> so so I, I say that laughing because, you know, usually all, the, all my checks would go back you know to my office and and uh, your grandma would see him and so i remember down the line she says hey how'd you ever didn't you win that tournament in, in at caesar's palace didn't you win that didn't you make some money there and i said oh yeah grandma don't worry everything's okay <laughs> you know not a problem <laughs> but yeah I, I'll, I'll never forget that and and uh that was pretty close to the day where i said i'm done <laughs> uh, i'm done gambling you know with, you know with doing that so wow, we, know that. we know that we know that was we know that Instead wasn't true. Instead of being true. on that side of the table, though, Brad, <laughs> I got on the other side of the table and got into riverboat gaming and then, you know, and, and started uh, figuring out a way to, you know, make that work for me. But, oh, oh my God, that was, I, when I saw that, I said, Jesus, I must have been a little out of it. So that never happened after that. That's a one-time thing. That was a one-time thing. Argus, I mean, yeah, you started a gambling company, Argosy Gaming, anybody who knows that. In November 2004, eventually it was bought out by Penn National Gaming, which is one of the biggest you know, gambling corporations in the world, acquired it for $2.2 billion in cash. So yeah, yeah, you got into the the Argosy Gaming, the gambling business just a little bit there. Better to be on that I, side, I, got, I think. <laughs> I, I, got my money, I got my money back from that night at, at uh, the casino in, in, uh, at Caesars Palace. That's the one good thing about it. <laughs> right, you broke even. You broke even. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good stuff. All right, let's uh, move on. I just A couple more good questions here, and then we'll get you out of here. Talk to me. Dave McConney asked, Tell me the process of your book. He says he loves your book. And um, tell me about, like, you know, what made you write it? What were you looking to get from it? You know, was it therapy to, to be able to talk about certain things and discuss things? And, you know, how was that experience, you know, writing the book? Dave, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I never really thought about writing a book uh, and being a part of that. And when I did, and the process kind of kept moving forward to where I said, okay, I'll, we'll finally do it. Your mom said to me, she goes, if you're going to write a book, you better fucking be honest. You know, and, 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 and I say that with such pride because if she was right, you know, there's so many books out there that, that only give you half a story or tell you what they want to hear or whatever. So, you know, she told me, she goes, if you're going to write it, you be completely honest. And there's one chapter in that book that she actually wrote herself. Oh yeah. You know, and, and submitted herself. 
and you know going back you know over the course of you know our our time together which has been 45 years now and so when when i wrote it i ended up going to our friend casey uh, casey defranco who was really a script doctor for you know for hollywood movies and and i said casey i said i'm going to write a book i said i want you to write my book and you know the first thing she said and this is why i loved her for this she says what do you do <laughs> you, you know and i said you're writing my book and the reason i did that is because she had not one one axe to grind she didn't know. I mean, she really, I mean, she was our friend. I mean, you know, she, you know, we were friends for, and we're still friends to this day, you know, 45 years later. And she had to do all the research and understand me and get the feel of who I was and what I was and what I was all about, you know, to, right. to write that. Yeah. It was, I always thought it was, it was funny because she knew you away from all of the stuff that the book was, you know, a lot of the book would be about. You know, she knew you at home right. and being goofy and, and at dinner parties and going to games and watching, you know, watching us play sports or whatever it was. But then you're right. Like she had to go and, and like kind of research you, the other part of you that so that she could kind of get the, you know, the real, you know, the vision of who you are before she dove into writing this, you know, autobiography. Right. And, and the way she wrote it, Brad, was amazing. You know, I, I couldn't have asked, you know, for anything better than the way she did it. It was an easy read. And it kind of incorporated everything, you know, about my life, you know, that was important to me and, you know, who was important to me and who wasn't. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the end result is she did an amazing job. And, you know, you know, thanks for asking the question about the book. But the one the point I got to get uh, across is that your mom said that, that if you're going to write a book, you better be damn honest. You know, and don't write some, you know, half-assed, you know, uh, you know book like, uh, you know. <laughs> Right, like a lot of the other people do. Right. Right. Yeah, good questions. When I started Advantage Connors, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. But now that I'm selling my old golf clubs, it's so easy, all because I use Shopify. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star, baby. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big your company is or how big you want to get, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and to take your business to the next level. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash connors, all lowercase. Just go to shopify.com slash connors now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash connors. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, I got two more. 
We wanted to add, we want to talk about this one last week, but we kept it short, so we'll ask it this week. We get a lot of questions about your rackets. You know, you played with the Wilson mm-hmm. T two thousand for a long time. Eventually, you went to the Slazinger, and you had the pro staff in there a little bit in the beginning when when Wilson had the pro staff. But at the end of your career, before you went to the Prince Mono and the Senior Tour, you played with a, a little racket called Astusa, E S T U S A, right? And you and I think Boris Becker. That was another big player who played it. He played a different racket than yours. But, and it's mm-hmm. funny to think of now because everything, all the colors in tennis are, are neon and hot. You know, a lot of times the clothes will be hot pink and every, you know, everything's got a neon color and the rackets are different colors. But kind of up until that time, you know, this was like the late 80s, early 90s, most of the rackets were just kind of white or they were black or they were a dark color. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of a life to it. it. It didn't seem like. And, Talk to me about the Astusa racket, like how you started playing it, when you started playing it, how it kind of evolved. Because I remember it was it was kind of all one color. It was kind of a purple that had like sparkly, almost like not glitter, but it kind of had that like reflective paint over it. And then it kind of evolved a little bit to where you you guys you and Billy were painting the the frame, and then eventually the whole racket. So just talk to me about the old the Astusa. Yeah, I mean, you know, when uh, when when I was out of tennis for the year in 1990 with uh, you know, with my bad wrist, you know, whether I was going to come back or not was uh, you know, up in the air was certainly a question. And so when when I started playing again, you know, when Astusa came around, you know, for me to to be a part of it and start playing it, you know, I said, you know, listen, you know, I I got no guarantees. They said, you know, go out and play and you know, I was a part of it, and Boris Becker was a part of it. And was it something where you, you were looking? You're right. Were you was, looking for more power? Like, were you were you done? What, what racket you were playing with? What racket before that? Maybe the Slazinger. I, I was playing with. I think it was a white Slazinger. I think it was a white Slazinger racket that was so stiff that you know I, I was used to the T2000, Brett. That you know that had power and mm-hmm. and a trampoline effect, and you know you know worked for me. And you know all of a sudden you know all those rackets that after I got rid of the T2000, you know it was work where I had to do most of the work, and and a lot of things came up that you know could have screwed up my wrist. But uh, yeah, I'm not blaming anything. You know, but, uh, you know, once, <laughs> once I came back, I needed a racket that was going to help me, you know, and, and, and help me have that, that little extra power and let the racket work for me as opposed to me doing all the work. Right. And, you know, when, when it first came out and, and, you know, I played, you know, through the French with it and, and then Wimbledon with it, it was, uh, you know, it was a painted purple and it didn't have a whole lot of life to it. I mean, you know, the racket was good. I liked the racket, you know, but. You know, I looked down and I said, this racket it just ain't doing it for me. You know, and, and our our friend Bill Lelly, who who we talk about all the time, who used to work, you know, work for me and travel with me. And, you know, he was in the race car business and he knew all about colors and bringing it, bringing Pain it and out. Stuff. And yes, you know, and, and making things, you know, alive, mm-hmm. you know, and when we came back from Wimbledon, you know, I said, listen, you know, uh, you know, my my goal is the U.S. Open. I said, if, if I'm going to play the U.S. Open, I got to walk out there with something that's alive. And so he, he said, give me a minute. Give me give me a minute. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I said, OK, you can take more than a minute. <laughs> and, and, and he came back and I mean, he, he had different colors. He had different combinations. And he came back. He came back with two colors, but really three. One was uh, the fluorescent green. 
The other was the fluorescent yellow, but they, the, what made it pop was the pink bumper, right. you know, on, on the top. And, and he says, what do you think of that? And I looked at him and I said, Billy, I said, if I walk out in New York on the stadium court there with this racket, I better be damn good. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and he looked at me and he says, well, there you go. <laughs> you, you know, so he, he made me a bunch of those rackets, Brett. And I remember when I went out to play Patrick McEnroe, I brought out one of the green and one of the yellow. And the, the crowd, the reaction that they had was, ooh, <laughs> what is this? What do we have here? Something different, you yeah. know? And, and it was. I mean, it popped. I mean, it was it was an amazing feeling, you know? And, and even up in, uh, in the television booth, Pat Summerall and, and Tony Traver would say, you know, Jimmy's got a racket that glows in the dark. And, <laughs> it looked and like it did. It, it, it did. Yeah. yeah it, it was amazing. Billy, Billy did an amazing job. But on the other hand, if I didn't win with it, it was disaster. <laughs> it would have been disaster. It was, you know, you know, what's, what's he trying to do? What is he? Oh, Christ, he's trying to get attention. And, you know, you know, the press, oh, yeah. you know how they, you know, it would have been a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, it's it's cool that it's got like essentially it's like NASCAR inspired, you know, like because he likes NASCAR. I know you say he yeah. likes car racing, but he's a big NASCAR guy, and NASCAR does that. NASCAR, you know, puts sponsors all over the car. You know, they make the cars bright so that they stand out because you want to stand out if you're you know racing in fifty you know forty other cars. You want to uh, which one's mine? Which who am I rooting for? And you look for the colors or whatever. Yeah, I always thought that was really cool, and you know, I kind of wish we had some of those. I feel like we, if we ever get back hey, there, <laughs> I was just going to say, I get to that to, storage uh, thing. To Billy about four or five days ago, I've got forty rackets back in our storage. Dude, we have to go in January when we go back there for Auntie's service. We have to go check yes. that out. I think that's we, we we will. He says he says we, I, I've got to have forty rackets back there like that. Wouldn't that be fun to go back and and go through that and. I yeah. know I got a couple of U.S. Open trophies back there, and, yeah, and a we couple of other things, a lot of pictures. Yeah, that uh, you know that I, I I'd certainly like to have in, uh, in in my house or your house or your sister's place now, and and right. you know so that uh, you know we can keep them for uh, for the memorabilia. But wouldn't that be fun to go back and 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 have a bunch of those rackets? That would be pretty cool. It'd be oh, fun yeah. to see again. Yeah, that'd be great. Good stuff with that. I got one last one. It's not really a question. It's just uh, it's more for fun, like a flashback memory. I'll put it out once we release the show on Friday. But somebody put up an old school video. The, the video is pretty grainy. It's from the old senior tour. Uh, I don't know if it was Nuveen at the mm. time or, or which one, what, what the major sponsor was. But I think you're playing, I can't, I think you're playing VLOS. I think you're playing Willie. And you're at the net. Willie hits a right. lob a really good lob and you're kind of like, shit, I'm beat. You know what I mean? You're like, no, you're too close to the net. And so like what you do, you take your Prince Mono, like we were just talking about a second ago, and you you grab it by the bottom of the handle, I guess, and you just kind of toss it straight up in the air, you know, like kind of, oh, I'm just going to give it a shot and try and hit the hit this lob. And it hits dead on the strings and just plops right over the net for a winner. <laughs> so I just wanted to get your take and see, you know, do you remember that point and, and what you remember about it? I know some people are going, oh, it's not legal. Oh, you know, it leaves the racket in the hand, blah, blah, blah. It was the senior tour and it was pretty freaking cool. So tell me what you remember about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. It wasn't. It was very cool. And and for all you doubters out there, I know it's not legal. I know that. I, you know, I, I used to play tennis for a living. I get all that. You know, but but the interesting part of it is, you know, what are the odds that happening? You know, that that he hits a lob and I throw the racket up and hits it and goes over for a winner. Oh my God! Should I should I just say it right out? That's talent. <laughs> it was it was amazing. I remember it, and, and you know the the fun part of it is that you know a lot of people in the stands, you know, they didn't realize exactly what happened. So you know, sometimes you go through a career where you remember shots. Like I remember playing Panada, where I hit a one handed, you know, uh, backhand passing shot around the net, <laughs> and I remember this shot, and I remember that because it was so off the wall. You know, that something like that happened and it happened on the senior tour. So listen, on the senior tour, everything goes. (laughs) Do you remember, did did that point count? Did they count it as a point for you during the match? No, they didn't. (laughs) I I, I feel so sad about that. Did you, would you practice (laughs) that? No, they didn't. Unfortunately, the umpire knew the rules. Oh, damn it. And and, and he played it. Yeah, that's what I said. Would you practice that? Had you ever tried it in in any other match in your career? And and, and like, did you almost get it? Did it hit the strings and bounce out? Or would you practice it on the practice court? Yeah, once in a while, you know, you go up throw it up there and, and you hope for the best but uh you know shit it never worked out up until that time you know <laughs> but obviously you know was it was good timing you know because you know shit that had to be 30 something years ago brad and people still talking about that that's amazing yeah you know that's amazing that they even remember that and you know to those you know who follow us and you know on uh you know on our podcast and you know even ask that question it's amazing that they remember that and, and i thank them for that i mean yeah. that's you know, that's a fan and, and, uh, you know, for them to be a part of my career like that's pretty special. Yeah. Well, leave it to you to have some classic point that like people remember from like the senior tour <laughs> from essentially like the exhibition, like senior tour that, uh, you know, that been, been put on for years now. I'm going to go back. Uh, you, you mentioned one thing. I'm just going to go back. Nuveen was the sponsor better. And, and, you know, Nuveen was really just coming out when we started the, the senior tour and, and they, were a major sponsor for us throughout the course. They were amazing. And, you know, I I know it's been a lot of years since that stopped. It's been 25 years or so since, you know, I, I walked away from that. But, you know, to go back, if we have any, you know, people, you know, with Nuveen listening, thank you. Because, uh, you know, I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Because it was probably the best 10 years of my tennis life. And I say that because... I was able to bring Borg and Clark and Lloyd and Vilas and Dibs and Stockton down the road. But, you know, it was a number of years before it came, you know, but to start it, you know, to start it, to get it going Mm -hmm. and and to to really make it happen. Because, you know, we started out the first year with three tournaments. Yeah, I remember the very first year. and, And we we ended up the last six years, we had over 20 tournaments worldwide. That's pretty amazing, you know, for, for guys that, you know, a lot of people call this has-beens, but I guess it was better to be a has-been than it never was been. Right. (laughs) 
And so I'm such an ass, aren't I? That's why you like talking to me on our podcast. You like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I remember as a teenage guy in high school, I was you know, 13, 14, 15, whatever it was, 15, 16, when you were putting those on, most of the tournaments would be in the summer. Some were in the fall and like, you know, whatever, but most were in the summer. So I was able to come to a lot right. of them with you. And to, it was awesome. Like to be, you know, as just a kid. And then I couldn't imagine being like you guys, like the former players. It was so much fun because all of a sudden you guys were hanging out again after not seeing each other for a while, you know, and, and a lot of the pressure of and the regular career. Yeah. It was a second career. The pressure was kind of not as much as like the regular tour. So everyone was able to have fun. And every tournament was at like a great country club. It was at like Sherwood Country Club or Riviera or Lochinvar or like, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember. Uh, Westchester right. Country Club and Bear Lakes and all these different places. And you made sure that every place there was a tournament, there was also a really good 18 hole golf course. <laughs> and, and I think there you uh, go. I know you, I, you said it all right. That you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. <laughs> and I know I thank you. Yeah. And, and a lot of the players thank you. Right. It was a blast. And, and it was fun bringing back all the guys that uh, that I'd grown up with that had retired and had gotten away from the game. And I remember, you know, my my first attack was Borg. Mm -hmm. And I went to him and I said, I've got this idea. I want to I want to start a senior tour. Will you play? And I said, I'm looking to you know and I, I started naming names and and when when once he said you know i'd love to do it oh man i knew you know the first and second step were already complete you know now all we needed to do you know was to you know to find some spots and and to get another number of guys right. and, and to be a part of it and to get a good sponsor and and it was i keep going back it was the most fun exciting 10 years of, of my tennis life. And, and I'm saying that because of, you know, I mean, forget about the grand slams and all that. That was exciting. Don't get me wrong, but hanging with those guys. And I say that because the first tournament we played, you know, I, I went and practiced with so-and-so, so-and-so played with so-and-so in, and then, you know, we come in and the next thing, you know, all 20 guys were around the same table having lunch. That would have never happened in the old days, Brett. Right. You know, that was only a time that the senior tour was able to, to harness, mm -hmm. you, you know, because in the old days it was, oh shit, I got to play Borg in the finals. Fuck that. You know, and you know, I got to play him. I don't want to see him. I don't, you know, I might have to play him in two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know how that goes. Right. You know, when you're, when everyone you're has their own for, clicks too, or they travel right. with their people and right. You know, but when, when, once that happened, I said, we're good here. We're, we're going to be good. And if we just go about it the right way and, and I'll say it again, man, was it fun? Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. Fun traveling. I remember having a lot of fun. Yeah. So with, with Bjorn and with a lot of the other guys, you know, just hard for anyone to turn it down when it's like, we have you and Bjorn already signed on, you know, everybody else is like, oh man, you know, where, where do I sign? So. Right. And, you know, another thing is, you know, we, we worked for a great charity, you know, pediatric AIDS. And, mm -hmm. and, and I, I say that with such pride because your, your mom had some friends who had been a part of that, uh, you know, which didn't turn out so well. And, you know, so you and your sister, you know, would work for us for the tour in the summer and, and raise money for them and know how to, you know, bring the players in and, yeah. you know, what it took to, you know, to do all that. So, we you know, that it was booth. also a great, Remember? Yeah, it was a great education yeah. for you guys. And also for me, I got to hang with you guys in the summer. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that was great. and travel with you, which, uh, you know, which was even better. Well, and it was like most of the time you would be traveling and, you know, sometimes in the summer we would come, but most of the time we're home in school. But then all of a sudden now we're able to spend time with you and you're able to like work and make money. You know, it's like, it was kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I keep going back, Brett. You know, I, I was, uh, somebody hit me with, a one of those leprechauns hit me with a lucky stick, Yeah, you know, for, you know, for my life and, and, you know, what I've been given and, and, and the opportunities that your, your grandma and your great grandma given me to play a, a sport that, that I loved and was, you know, was fun working at and, you know, able to bring my family into and be a part of and kind of really to understand, you know, what I did and what took me away from home and, you know, what it meant. Yeah. And, and for you to, for you guys to grow up and be a part of that was amazing. I've had a very blessed life. Very blessed. Definitely. We all have. And a lot of it comes from, uh, from what two mom and grandma gave you. So we're uh, blessed to have that, and then we were lucky to have them. So I'm going to let you oh, go. Yeah. We've been talking to it for an hour almost. I've had a lot of fun talking with you, and, and I'm happy you're in a better mood. I know last week you, you were down a little bit. I'm glad you, you recuperated, which I'm sure was like two days at the most, maybe two and a half. <laughs> but I'm happy, I'm happy you're feeling better. And, uh, and that was rough, too, but, but I did it. Yeah. I did it. How, how many times were you just pacing around the house, like waiting to go do something? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I I was happy after the second day. Your your mom finally told me she goes, "Get the hell out of here!" I said, "I think you're okay now. <laughs> you're fine. Now. You're and, fine. Get back out there." Yeah. So it, anyway, uh, always love being with you, Brett. But uh, you know, I just want to remind you know all those who follow us on our podcast and uh, you know send in questions. You know, we appreciate all that, and uh, you can follow me at Jimmy Connors on Twitter at Brett underscore Connors on Twitter at advantage Connors. Oh yeah. Yeah. I you love know, it. Keep, keep sending in the questions to the Facebook. We love hearing what's on your mind. Stay in touch with us. We love being with you and I love always being with you, son. Yep. It's a great time. I love spending time with you. Me too. I couldn't have said it any better. I look forward to it every week and uh, I look forward to doing it again with you next week and we'll see everyone then. Peace. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.